Welcome to Speaking in First Draft, a Girls Right Now bi-weekly interview podcast series featuring the current and next generation of storytellers. In this podcast, our community members share a draft of one of their works in progress or completed pieces and discuss both the writing process and what creative expression looks like to them. Speaking in First Draft is hosted by me, Catherine Destin, the editor-in-residence and Mentee alumnae of Girls Right Now. Girls Right Now is a New York City-based nonprofit with over 25 years of history, breaking down the barriers of gender, race, age, and poverty to mentor and train the next generation of writers and leaders for life. Our celebration of pride and Caribbean American heritage continues in part two of the conversation between Girls Right Now fellow Sally Familia and mentee Carissa Caesar. Last episode, our guests dove deep into how they use poetry to process and release their emotions in addition to the impact their ancestry has on them. This week, Sally and Carissa talk more about poetry and give tons of great advice for all of you fellow writers listening in. I um I have learned over time, and it, it has been a big journey of a big part of my journey as a black person growing up in non-black areas to see my anger as something that I am entitled to. Um, I am not entitled to the harm I do to other people, but I am entitled to the emotions that I feel. Uh, And so a lot of the time, whether or not it is a true perception or a accurate perception, my anger exists to point out injustice to me and to grab me by the shoulders and go, hey, do something about that. Say something, you know, and I am so used to I'll be talking to people and mind you, I'm in conservative Texas um, and I'll Mm -hmm. be making a joke about something that happened When I was in fifth grade, and I'll joke like, I'm still mad about that. And all of a sudden, everybody freezes. And I'm looked at with like wide eyes because like, I am not a person who's allowed to be mad without that association to violence. And you know, at this point, I've just started reclaiming it. (laughs) Um, Because especially my fiction, it comes through less in my poetry. Um, But, you know, that that fear about the Black Panthers, for instance, and that conversation about how things like gun control um, actually overlap with race uh, and the history of that, that we should be mindful of uh, when we're discussing this legislation and who these things can disproportionately affect um, to see violence as this is uh, what's it the language of the unheard, um, which I think is from Fanon, but do not if I do not quote me on that. Um, uh, to see violence as something that people do not because they want to, but because they feel they need to, um, and to come and let myself feel that, that need, which can be like a desperation almost, um, to be heard and to be given a place, um, when I wasn't before to, to take it by force. Um, that has been a part of my poetry and like, it's, a balance because in my life I'm both trying to find places that are accepting of me in the first place. So I don't have to do that. Um, but simultaneously to honor both when I, as an individual and when, you know, we as a ancestry of my entire family and of, uh, you know, black American and black Caribbean history, uh, we're not able to be given that without taking it, um, to let that sit and to let myself feel it and to honor it, um, I think has been, a big part of my poetry and I I am happy and proud of it as a part of black culture you know uh, there's a lot of white conservative American culture is all about guns and defense um 
And, you know, they get to have their anger over, honestly, threats that we cannot, in all honesty, say are accurate. Um, Mm -hmm. And then they demand that we are perfectly calm. And um, I'm just not going to to concede to that demand. I do not have to. Mm -hmm. You do not have to. Um, And it's beautiful that you know that. It's beautiful for to know that you're growing up in you know you're growing up in a place that is is validating that for you, and it's giving you the tools to navigate your anger in ways that are constructive and that will be helpful for the communities that you're a part of and that you care for and that you want to share your love with. So I'm really glad that you're so self aware of that. That's Amazing. And we're talking a lot about our emotions and a lot of about a lot of very sensitive topics. And I would um, like to ask how um, how do you go about editing these pieces? I know that writers don't like to edit their pieces too much because <laughs> you're wrong and you're like, yep, that's the one. It, that's perfect. But, you know, there's, there's, there's always going to be a first draft, a second draft. So how do you go about editing um, your poems? How does that look for you? Yeah, my my editing quote unquote process for poetry versus writing and um, essays completely different. Ask me to edit some essay or so, uh, like some prose. I I got you. Ask me to edit some poetry. I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> um, because so so much of these poems are interlocking. Uh, that's the that's the purpose of them, and so. Um, if I'm looking at any of these poems and I take out even one line, it's like, well, three rhymes are not connecting to anything now. Um, there is a necessary beat in the buildup of the stanza that is just gone and it feels wrong. Um, and so editing is a little bit like doing surgery. Um, I have to like sit down and like have a whole conversation to diagnose what the issue might be with the poem or if not an issue, how I can improve it to then really sit with it, give it some time, ponder. And I, I will, I have um, editing marks. I've never learned like the true ones, um, but I have a few mm-hmm. that I've made for myself. And half the time, it's just like a list of alternative words in the margins. And I, I, when I get into a spree of writing a ton of poetry, I can get really good at having rhymes on the fly. I use a dictionary and a thesaurus. Um, that sure. is... <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm proud of it even. I'm not ashamed. I can't keep everything in my head. Uh and that's mm-hmm. perfectly all right. And so, uh I try to sit with the poems and usually it's it's usually it's small small details. Um something will come through and I'm like this isn't fitting to the general thesis of the poem. Um this is uh you know the after effect of some of those emotions I wanted to evaporate off before I got to the core of it um because mm-hmm. I can be an incredibly bitter and spiteful person I try to let myself be bitter and spiteful like in private uh and then you know take a deep breath go out and talk to people um but occasionally or maybe quite often uh the spitefulness will come through and that's not bad to feel but um, I don't want my readers to feel like they're being attacked. Uh, I have pretty set goals for how I want my readers to come away from my poetry and my writing in general. And feeling like they just took a lashing is not one of them. <laughs> um, so to look at that and to say, I, I, 
ask kind of every poem, what are what are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? And the editing process kind of varies because every poem has a different goal. Uh, and identifying and refining towards that goal is really is is really the idea, but it, it does not look the same at all across poems. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. Uh, I took a lot from that as well, even just the process of you um, engaging with your work. So thank you for sharing that. Uh, so I have two more questions. I would love to know, um, have you ever received advice on writing that you refer back to when you're working, um, when you've been working on this collection? Yeah, uh, I actually have it right here. Um, on Writing Well by William Zisner is a book on writing nonfiction that I think is universal to all writing and everyone who's ever put a pen to paper ever. <laughs> I am not interested in sports. The chapter on sports writing was deeply insightful. Like I love everything in that book. The way that one thing that the Will Zisner says um, that gets to me on his chapter on travel writing that I think about all of the time uh, is he says, you know, anybody can go, I'm paraphrasing, anybody can go to Mount Rushmore and write about the mountains and talk to some tourist. As a writer, as someone who's trying to get to the heart of a place and over a topic or an idea, you know, he talks about going and talking to the janitors who have worked here for 30 years, who have really sat with it, the people you might not initially think of. That advice of going to going to the experts and making myself an expert um even acknowledging that i oftentimes am not the expert and will never be because life is only so long um to really sit with an idea and to go go beyond my first instinct and consult people who i i wouldn't have otherwise um has guided my writing i think more than any other advice that i've read um like speaking to Lassie Davis at the UVI, uh, speaking to my grandmother even, and just sitting with her. My grandmother, I love her to death. She hates having conversations. She will just get bored and walk away. Um, but, you know, we can sit and watch reality TV. And I never watch reality TV. But with her, that's our thing. Um, yeah. And so our conversations are always about whatever's happening on this random, you know, love show. Um, yeah. And to like take that time with the people around me to like, even, you know, those who are closer to me, those who are more distant to try and let people touch me in a in a emotional way that is significant. Um, a lot of my early poetry was writing to people in uh, because I, I had all these thoughts, but to also let those aspects of them write through me in a way um, it, it's 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 important. Like I have a friend um, who's near Rican and we're both from the Caribbean. And so a lot of our conversations have been exploring, you know, the history of the Taino people on both of our islands and, you know, sharing facts about Marooners and how that cultural exchange happened. Um, and that has guided so, so much of my work. That perspective has guided so much of my work uh, because it's taught me a lot about my ancestors and about, you know, not my ancestors, but, you know, my ancestors' buddies. Um, yeah. And, yeah, so letting letting other people consult, though at the same time kind of guarding my own perspective, has been, I think, the best advice I've gotten. And thank you for sharing that with all of us. That is amazing advice. And thank you for letting us know about the book. Definitely going to look into that. It is so and good. And I... I believe you. I'm, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> really impressed by it right away. 
And something that I, I love is that you're talking about, um, you mentioned basically research and consulting other people. And I think a lot of people fail to realize that a lot of writing is research, no matter how creative, no matter how personal it is, it does, there's a lot of research that comes into it, especially again, the themes that you navigate in your work. And, and I love that you mentioned your grandmother, because even that, talking to our family members, that is research, that is connecting to um, maybe emotions that we have trouble navigating and we're learning from other people how they're navigating. Or um, again, history. We talk about, we've been talking about history a lot here and our ancestry, being able to connect to our family members and either connecting to the the ancestry of buddies that you have that's that's so beautiful learning the intricacies of that it it definitely is very important to navigate um to approach your writing through uh the lenses of research and wanting to learn more and being open-minded to learn other perspectives and um the lived experiences of others that's around us as well that's i really appreciate that you shared that so thank you so much for that yeah. And um, I think it's mentioned in the Zissner book and it's mentioned on Stephen King's book on writing. Uh, but that idea of like, if you want to be inspired, make yourself inspired every day at 9 a.m. Um, I have realized that like my biggest inspiration and it's it's present in this work. It's kind of more present in some others. Um, but I love Tracy K. Smith. I I am a massive fan of Tracy K. Smith. Sorry, all of her poetry is incredible. Life on Mars is an incredible chat book. Um, but bringing science fiction, which is one of my favorite genres, into poetry um, has been a big part of that. Trying to do that has made me realize that my biggest inspiration is just learning new things. That that feeling of coming across something completely new makes me write poetry. Uh, and, you know, the the amount of poetry I'm writing in a given period of time has a directly causal effect with how much I am learning in general and, you know, emotionally, scientifically, whatever. Um, so yeah, I think research is huge. And I think that everybody should just do more research on whatever strikes their fancy. Yeah. And shout out to Tracy, Tracy K. Smith. Love that chat book. Um, so you and I are very similar in ways you do not understand. Just <laughs> um, I, I'm really enjoying this conversation because I'm like, my mirror all right um so we are almost toward the end of um this wonderful conversation and of course i'd be remiss to ask um i would just love to know uh what does it mean to create in the community like girls right now i i love i know of you because of how much you share in our workshops and how present you always are and also the beautiful pieces that you create in such short periods amount of time is just mind-blowing so um yeah so what does it mean to create in a community that grows right now yeah it has been so strange and beautiful and new um to come into a writing community because i've always been a writer but um in high school when your english teacher says we're coming upon our poetry unit i'm in a class of 30 kids and 29 of them are going oh my god oh no i hate this and then there's me like oh yay um, <laughs> So <laughs> to to come into a space where there are so many people who, you know, whether or not they feel uh, confident in the writing or whether or not, you know, they're they're shy or outgoing about it, they have a passion and a love for writing as a craft has been so inspiring and freeing. Um, and I feel like I am having in-depth conversations and learning from people every single time I interact with girls right now. Um, 
the there was a true crime workshop i think where i wrote like two poems in like 30 minutes uh, that i think were pretty solid and i was shocked about that um, as much as i think everybody else was so um, <laughs> um the the workshops kind of they they trigger that thing in my brain where i'm like ooh yes this new thing is here and i have so many emotions that i haven't been able to express about them uh, that come through in a poem to have that space with girls right now it has just been so incredible and i i'm really looking forward to coming back uh and continuing that train that makes me so happy to hear. Thank you so much for saying that. And that true crime poetry workshop, I definitely remember it. And I remember um, after the workshop, the ones who were staffing it, we were like, how? How did you do that? We were so impressed. It was so marvelous to just see you just just manifest two two poems, like just, just so quickly. And like you said, they were so solid. Like, editing where that was it was so good those poems i i have a complicated relationship to true crime uh, i don't really engage with it often but i was excited because i i'm a person who if i am scared about something or if i am skeptical of something i want to do as much of it as possible um because i you know want to see that other side if i can uh and so to see true crime and then i i was kind of it hit a uh, a chord about victimhood and blackness in my brain um that it, it just kind of all came together and i was like oh yeah um and so some of those poems are definitely uh radical diaspora poems um but yeah i remember i wrote that and i was like oh this is really good and i really want to share it but um <laughs> it, was, it was a strange position to be in uh but it was Y'all were very sweet and very welcoming, and I had a great time. I'm so glad that you shared it with us. It was, and oh, a thank you, just a general thank you for always, again, just being so present in our workshops. And what's the word? Oh my God, I can't think of the word. But just for, yeah, just being present, always being so willing to share your work and answer questions and just being community overall. It's been so great um, to watch you grow in just this one year. And I'm so glad that I'm getting the, I've gotten the opportunity to talk with you because again, I've been seeing you develop as a writer for this entire program year. And so now to be able to be toward the end of the program year and be able to actually connect with you has been so cool. And I'm so glad to have been able to stay here with you and have this conversation. And yeah, I just want to thank you for that as we come to a close in this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, and I wanted to thank you as well. I have, when um. Vani said that Sally was going to interview me. I was like, oh, I love Sally. Um, your presence in the <laughs> workshops, your music taste, uh, and just your professionalism and friendliness. I've always appreciated it. Uh, and so, yeah, it has been great to, to sit down and talk. I'm glad we got this opportunity. Thank you, Carissa. And of course, I want to thank all of you for tuning into Speaking in First Draft with Girls Right Now. And I hope you all enjoy this conversation and have a beautiful day. Thank Bye. you. Bye. Thank you to Sally and Carissa for sharing their work, their thoughts, and their conversation with us in these last two episodes. And thank you to our listeners for joining us in this episode of Speaking in First Draft.
Check back bi-weekly on Wednesdays for a new episode, and make sure you subscribe to Speaking in First Draft wherever you get your podcasts. Much like the drafts in these episodes, we're just starting out, and we'd greatly appreciate any feedback you have. Leave us a review wherever you listen to this episode and tell your friends. This episode is a production of Girls Right Now. It was edited and hosted by me, Catherine Destin, produced by both Vani Kura and myself, and recorded by Sally Familia. See you next time, and happy writing.